Hi there, welcome to Mzungu. This is a podcast about living and working in Mozambique. We're going to be discussing everything from daily life to development work and all the things in between. Hello, my name is Mina. And I'm Maya. We're living in Pemba, Mozambique, working with the Agukon Foundation on their youth fellowship program. Welcome to our first episode of Muzungu. Today, we're going to be talking about who we are, our introduction to the country, and what it has been like so far. Then, in future episodes, you'll hear us go more in-depth on specific topics. So, today we're going to be talking about just like our introduction into the country and what that's been like. So, it'll be a little bit of hodgepodge. Um, we thought we'd start by giving a little bit of introduction into who we are and what brought us here. So, again, I'm Maya. Um, I've been working in development in Sub-Saharan Africa for several years now. I have a master's in public health that I did at the University of Cape Town, um, and I really wanted to get back into working in the field in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, I'm working with the Aga Khan on an adolescent sexual health program, and I'll be on the monitoring and evaluation team, and I think in a future episode we'll go a little bit more into depth about what that really means. Uh, my name is Mina, and I have a master's in development studies with a certificate in Refugee and Migration Studies. Um, I will be doing gender equality and communications. So Mina, tell me and our listeners, what was your favorite childhood book? So it's super morbid and it's <laughs> called Searching for David's Heart. It was the first book that I read twice and I wasn't much of a reader but it's essentially about this sister who's brother died this girl's (laughs) brother died and he had um they did a heart transplant so she's looking for the person that received his heart no spoilers here folks um my favorite childhood book might be blueberries for sal a very maine centric book like the state of maine where a little girl is picking blueberries with her mother at the same time as a mother bear is eating blueberries with her baby bear. Mm. And they get mixed up, and it's really sweet. (laughs) We just wanted to launch right into talking about um, a couple of things that we've really noticed here. And and when I was sort of thinking about things to talk about and, like, some of the funnier stories and weirder things that have happened, I noticed that there were a lot of, and we talked about this earlier, that there's these, like, overarching themes um, that we feel like we're probably going to dig more into in other episodes. Yeah. Um, some of them being about language barriers, um, some of them being about our like day-to-day expectations on life, and just like the different operating speed that happens here. Yeah. Coastal in, vibes. Yeah, those coastal vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those just sort of play a lot into all those things we're going to talk about. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll pose it as a question to you, what were some of the most unexpected things that you had when you first landed? Because I know this is really your first time in Sub-Saharan Africa, so expectations met, not met. What was the craziest? Um, I, I feel like, and I know I've told you this before, but it's just kind of my only two reference points are Cuba and Romania. So that's kind of because of the, like, hotel vibes I definitely felt a bit of Cuba and then when we went more in the rural areas I saw it more um like Romania I think the oddest part for me well like the part that was most bizarre was the like iris and all the like 
the ministries. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the different NGO groups that are here. Yeah, like, NGO groups I've seen, but it's, like, religious Hmm. NGOs and nonprofits that, like, I, and I, that was the first time I've met, like, a missionary (laughs) as well, so, um, it's interesting. I had a similar thing where I was like, okay, I have these two levels of, like, points of reference, one of them being Cape Town, which is a very westernized, built-up city, and the other one being, like, remote, rural Malawi, and I was like, I know it's, I know Pemba's gonna be somewhere on that spectrum, and I don't know where, like, I don't know Mm -hmm. which end of it it's closer to. And so, like you said about the hotel specifically, it's been a really weird vibe for me to be like, okay, like, there are town like, slum-style townships, and there's these resort-style hotels with, like, beautiful mm-hmm. infinity pools, fancy meals, and, like, we're in a position to be able to take take advantage of that while still experiencing the other half of it. So it's in a very literal sense right in the middle of those two things, mm-hmm. which has really been kind of unexpected for me. Like, I thought it would either be touristy or not touristy, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like... We're trying to be touristy, but we haven't got the tourists yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, for me, was, like, a really interesting something to get used to and, like, yeah. help build my expectations around. There are, like, the huge, the big houses and the mansions just empty, but they're new, and it's like, does anyone, we're, we keep wondering, does anyone live there? Can we rent it? What's going on? <laughs> Should we just knock on the door and see if you're around? What's yeah. up? Um Yeah, and then I also did want to talk about this, like, hotel culture, because for me, at least, so we're staying in a guest house right now before we get permanent housing, which is a story in and of itself, Um, but we weren't really equipped to to cook our own meals yet, and there's a lot of issues around that, also just in terms of, like, the water being currently pretty problematic, because there were several cyclones that came through the area, Mm -hmm. so there's lots of typhoid, lots of cholera, so we need to be cautious. There's sort of caution around cooking, caution around eating out us not being ready, blah, blah, blah. Um, So we have been eating at these hotels and going to them and also going to them on the weekends because when we want to go to the beach or spend time outside, Mm -hmm. I think I see for both of us when I say we have this, like, gaze on us. Yeah. Like, it's not malicious, but there's definitely attention paid to us. It's people that are new and we get it, but I think also being women, we, it's... we're very conscious of yeah, it. Yeah, and I like would agree. You, not like anything has happened, but you just feel a little bit uncomfortable, especially if we're on the beach and we're in bikinis. Then you just kind of feel vulnerable because you're more exposed. Yeah, and I think a really good story that sort of depicts this is that, so here on Saturdays and especially Sundays, after 3 p.m., because the sun goes down at 5, at 3 p.m. when it's sort of cooled down a little bit, just like hundreds of people come out of everywhere and when the beach was previously just, like, abandoned and empty with, like, 10 people walking around, suddenly there's, like, 400 people yeah, everywhere. Cool. And we were like, oh, what a great opportunity to go out and hang out with people. And Mina was like, I'd love to go swimming. Like, I'm going to go swimming right now. It's going to be great. And I was like, I'll hold our stuff, feet in the water. It'll be great. And we got out there. And as soon as, like, the bathing suit came out, we were like, nope, can't do it. Just can't, like... There's nothing wrong with it. obviously people wanting to talk to you and interact with you and hopefully you make friends, but it, I wish it was females. Yeah, it's hard to accept when like a group of five guys comes up to you and is like, "Hola, sister, how yeah. are you?" And you're like, "Just yeah. trying to swim in my because, like, now suddenly very small feeling bathing suit." <laughs> and that's again, that's part of this hotel culture where we're like, "If we want to go swim, the hotels have sort of not privatized, but." they keep an eye out on their beaches, and so it's less of a public beach. 
And you have the pool area. You can leave your bags somewhere. And so you end up feeling like, okay, well, if I don't want to have this sort of gaze on me, I'm more comfortable swimming here. The thing that I kind of go back and forth with is like, then we're also alienating ourselves. But when you try to like be a part of that community and you're like, everyone's going to be at the beach. I want to be at the beach with everyone. I'm going to be part of this thing. Then you're like, but I'm obviously not a part of this thing. Yeah. And I think that alienation aspect and, like, figuring out how to balance, like, our comfort versus what we want to be a part of is going to be... Stay tuned for more. Like, <laughs> more, more, it's something yeah. to work on because it's interesting. And I think, I think our male counterparts who came here in previous years had a really different experience with that. Like, definitely not to say that they didn't stick out an equal amount. Yeah. I just think being conscious and wary of, of eyes on you yeah. is more unique but to I, I us. Think- yeah, but also like if it was in Toronto, I would feel the same way. If oh, 100%. People just we just stand a out. A group of there. five guys came up to me, I'd be like I feel targeted. Like I feel like why are yeah. you tar- like just leave me alone. Um also today what happened was when we were just sitting uh, by the pool and we're just reading and napping um after work, that guy this middle-aged man just came up to us and was instead of like having a conversation, it was just like so where do you live? <laughs> like, what? We were like, sorry, what? Like, we live in a house. We live here. Yeah, you're like, we live in a house. He's like, where? Around the corner? On the corner. And she's like, in a guest house. What's you? happening? <laughs> yeah, he's like, just trying to drum up business and walked away. And we're like, what business? What's <laughs> happening? Why? Why was it a thing? Oh, um, and that actually is a really good segue because he was clearly staying in the hotel that mm-hmm. we were at the pool by. And he was a white South African and and I think that sort of brings up the like weirdness of the expat dynamics here because again this language barrier comes up and when you're just like love to talk to people love to make friends the fact that we speak little to no Portuguese makes it really Portuguese. <laughs> yeah sorry team it's not happening I mean it's gonna happen hopefully. but it's just not currently it's in the making yeah under construction <laughs> <laughs> so right now when someone comes up especially even in our workplace and it's like Hi, let's talk. We're like, I'd love to, but it doesn't work as well. And so there's just like, there's this unfortunate, this thing that basically alienates you from everyone has. local community. Yeah. Yeah. And then the expats speak English. And you just want to be understood and like. Have a conversation and like. Be able to express yourself. Yes. And have people understand you. Um, I mean, as fun as it is (laughs) to try to make conversation yes. and really, really try. Yep. I need to give kudos <laughs> to us because we're trying so hard with our Spanish, French, Romanian, Russian mix and English. To just it's like. really going great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that being said, yes, it's easier. Do we? First of all, we don't want to exclusively make friends with expats. Not that we don't. Yeah. Don't. Period. But like exclusively yeah. seems like it's not our dream. But also. I think it's worth mentioning just, like, the relationship expats have with the community here. Very weird. Very weird. Weird, weird. (laughs) So one part of that is, like, I think that they claim Mozambique is their own. They've lived here for 18, 20, 30 years. This is their home. They love it. They tell everyone they love it. And then they completely differentiate and alienate themselves. And this is a blanket statement. I'm sure it's not true of everyone, but many people that we've talked to. The people that we've met so far. Yeah. Have differentiated themselves the from the local community and been like, they do this. 
this, like the Makoa, Makoa people do this thing. And one specific example that comes to mind was um, someone telling us that people are running late here, people always come late because everybody knows that the Makoa people are lazy. Uh, and lazy, at least to me, is a real buzzword. Loaded. Yeah, and I think it sparked a really interesting conversation about how expats coming here say that they love the country, they love the people, they want to be a part of it, and yet still differentiate themselves inevitably based on the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. And the word lazy has been passed down through generations, not just in Africa, but also in North America, to talk about black people Mm -hmm. as though they're by dint of their skin color less capable of accomplishing things in like a timely and efficient manner which is of course false uh, and I was like waiting for this particular person to say the word lazy like, mm -hmm. I was waiting for I knew it was on the tip of her tongue and it crushed my hopes and dreams a little bit and also I see what I found interesting well like we don't know enough of Mozambique and the people of Mozambique to make any judgments um but I found it interesting how she used it, like saying like even people in Maputo mm. would say this. Like it's not me. Like I feel like she knew what she was saying was wrong because she got very yeah. defensive and she's like, but it's not me that says it. It's everyone that yeah. says this. The president, the ex ex president said it, and he yeah. said nothing will ever get done in Mozambique because people, people are, are lazy, lazy or people are slow or people are late. They don't work hard enough. So and. Uh, so this woman we met, and she was recommended by a lot of people, friends of friends of friends who knew her, um, and she was really helpful in our house hunt, which is yeah. still ongoing, and that's sort of <laughs> in the context in which we had that conversation. Um, and that this whole house hunting thing for us is also very complicated for so many reasons. That's definitely going to be an episode. Hopefully, in we, can, we can talk about that once we have a home so that when we talk about it, we won't be nearly yeah. as stressed and we, we, we can just laugh about it. So background on this, we are given housing for two weeks and expected within that two weeks to find somewhere to live. Uh, today is the last day of those two weeks. Um, yep, yep, yep. We have not found a place to live. And okay, part nope. of that... <laughs> Part of that is like we're figuring out the norm, what our yeah. expectations are, what's available, how do we be comfortable, literally what can we expect a house to have reasonably, yeah. what do we want from it, like what yeah. does a furnished house mean? Turns out no sheets, just saying. Or know. bed nets. Or bed nets, which would have been great. And we've also realized that there's this pattern of people telling us one price and like the next day or two days after when we ask them like, okay, same thing, just want to double check on the price, they like increase it by a lot and we're like wait a yeah. second there's a lot of playing fast and loose we're like oh we want to see a three-bedroom house or a three-bedroom apartment and we show up and they're like so here's the two bedrooms and we're like we were very oh, specific so that's great but one two yeah interesting okay okay Counting. or this is our price range and i think that's part of it they'll like tell us it's within our price range and then when we're like oh we're really interested they'll be great it's actually triple your price range we're like why did you think yeah, this is gonna you just wanted me to be attached. Work. <laughs> I don't, un I don't understand. Or understand. like that guy that I talked to, and he was like, "What did he say?" He was saying how like he's like, "What's your price range?" And I said it, and then I was like, "What's the price of the apartment?" He's like, "It's within your price range." I'm like, "No, no, what is that?" He's like, "It works with it, with what you said." I'm like, "That's not a number. Just give me how much per month." Just, and then of course the other issue is still the language barrier and like our ability to understand like it's very I think it's still very new also to be like oh yes I'm looking at this apartment let me haggle for the price like that's yeah. not really a thing at home 
and we also can't do it in imagine, Portuguese. Imagine trying to do that in Toronto. <laughs> like, so this is a thousand two hundred. You're like, no, a thousand. And they're like, okay, we have so many other people. Yeah, there's five hundred people that want this apartment. Yeah, Thank so. you for your time. You seem like you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of our coworkers today was like, "Why did you look at any apartments? Why did you talk to anyone without letting me do it for you? Like, what were you thinking?" And I was like, "I was thinking that you had to do, do your." work like, and that like yeah you weren't here for a lot know. of the time i also might add that she did in fact call the owner of the house we're interested in yeah. and still got the same number and did yeah. not negotiate anything better so uh, she did try though yeah she Respect. tried which is really nice which was and it's yeah very helpful but a little stressful and that also in terms of that language barrier just this thing that we're having like we're trying so hard we're trying so hard and some people are really helpful in that respect like they're really like today we made some jokes it was great we had a great joking what was it braga braga Braga. yes braga jokes and (laughs) fufa no fofa fofa means cute we have uh, a driver from the aga khan foundation who tolerates us and (laughs) thinks we're funny so he helps us a lot Uh, but then there are other people even those who speak a little bit of english and we will try so, like, we will look things up in Portuguese and, and say just, them. We're just reading at this point. Okay, granted, my reading skills are not great, but still, <laughs> yours are fantastic. Thank you so much. And, I think uh, your reading skills are great. Yeah, they are not getting okay. it. Okay, they're not yeah. getting it. Here's the issue. We'll say it. We'll check the pronunciation. We'll ask if we're saying it right. We'll motion. There's motioning. It absolutely should be 100% clear, and yet... Somehow they just look at us blank stares, like what yeah. are you saying? Oh I God, think we're at least close. way worse than we think we are, which I actually don't think is true because other people can get what we're trying to say. But and then also really the, the funnier aspect of that, I mean, funnier after the fact, is that if they don't get it, they'll just be like, hokey dokey and go on their way. Except sometimes we're saying, great, can you pick us up in two hours? And then two hours later, no one shows up and we're like, fuck, I knew they didn't get it. <laughs> And this is how we know. Guess we're just here now. <laughs> this is where yeah. we live. Cool. Or my favorite was when they just kept repeating, good afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I'm asking, do you, like, I was trying to ask, <laughs> how, do you think the weather's cold? And I, I use, like, temperatura, clima, tiempo. Come on. <laughs> and I was and like, he was like, yes, good afternoon to you. <laughs> Boa tarde. Good afternoon. <laughs> Boa tarde. But I'm like, <laughs> no. It's I'm so, like I'm rubbing my arms like it's cold. Oh, what frio. are you getting? <laughs> and I definitely looked it up. Frio is like the way to say it. Uh, yeah, that was good. But then I feel terrible because then it's like, do we... Do we continue to push for those conversations, those little itty bitty conversations, but that go literally nowhere? Or now am I just saying good day? This is like mainly to the security guard. Like, are we just saying good day, good afternoon, good night, and having no interaction minus knocking on the window? <laughs> that was also yeah. creepy. Yeah. So for those not in the know, most spaces and areas like this have a like the, it has a gate on your house and there's a security guard yeah. posted. Um, and so we come in. Every, we leave every morning, we say, good good morning, how are you? Uh, we come in every night, we say, good afternoon, how are you? Which people are very specific about. Once oh, yeah. it is 12, it is afternoon, do not dare say good day. You will get laughed out of the room. They'll be like, do you not notice it's afternoon? You're like, oh yes, it's 1201, my bad. <laughs> Shit. It's pretty precise. Um, 
And today, someone upstairs in this guest house locked the door, and we were sitting in the bedroom, and we just hear this, like, knocking at the window, and... No, uh, we just it, didn't move. We just froze. We're like, well, because Word. he was saying something that we couldn't hear. is indecipherable. Oh, I didn't even hear. He said yeah. something under his breath, and I was like, what is he saying? This is really creepy. And we were like, is it the security guard? What? Why what is, is he knocking not? on the window? What's yeah. happening? It's so creepy. It's like horror movie style. And it turns out someone had just locked him out, and he wanted to bring some laundry in. And I just don't think they realize. Like, I feel like as young girls, <laughs> young <laughs> ladies, lovely, ladies. lovely young ladies. Um. We're just, like, in the room chatting, and then we just hear out of nowhere. And, like, for me, I'm just jumpy in general, and I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? Is this the noise? The normal noise. Like, I see shadows from the trees moving. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. We're and still just, settling. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because we don't know our surroundings. Exactly. But we'll get there. Um, and then, just as, like, a closing statement, the, of course, actual reason <laughs> we are here mm-hmm. is our work at the Aga Khan. And... Ooh. <laughs> so we are fellows which is like one level above an intern and one level below a full-time employee we're supposed to be applying our existing skills and learning at the same time and we're definitely still finding our place in that how we work. like given yes it's been only two full weeks of work yeah. and I think at any new job it takes time to figure out how things work yeah. then again we still have that pesky language barrier because of course they all speak Portuguese what other language would they speak yeah. Uh, Some I, people do speak English, but yes. I almost feel like it's a bother. Like I'm almost bothering people with my questions. I have gotten my colleague to check my Portuguese work that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I think she's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. Uh, the woman that I work with most closely right now does not speak English, and I spent a hilarious 45 minutes sitting at her desk, Google translating sentences reading out the Portuguese and then listen and she wants to improve her English also mm-hmm. so she prefers to try and answer me in English so and we just are like Google translating back and forth forever <laughs> I mean it's actually hilarious like it's truly funny but it's also ridiculous and definitely limiting and like also all my work will be in English yeah it's complicated in that respect. So I think that'll be a really interesting thing to figure out how we yeah. jump over that hurdle. Language barriers yeah. in the office. Yeah. Or even when you were talking about like doing communication strategies. Like, yeah, I'm like, uh... In Kimwani? In Portuguese? Where? How? Same with like field work or like if we go to the field and we have to do um, any interviews. I was like, I can't be of help. I can't understand anything. Guess I'll just stand there and learn. Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. do I do? Exactly. I mean, we've only been on one field visit so far, and we'll it was about very that. much, yeah, we'll definitely do another episode on that, but it was, like, more field trip than it was yeah. field work, because there were some higher-ups here, and we were sort of looking at some successes, mm-hmm. and I think even more so when it comes to a point of data collection, um, I mean, people bring translators anyway, because apparently the reason, this is actually an interesting fact to also go into on the languages thing, but... Everyone speaks Portuguese here, the colonial language, as opposed to the indigenous languages. And that's because Mozambique specifically has like 40 languages. And so people just wouldn't, like if you went 40 miles south, you would not speak the same language. The way I've heard other people describe it, they're like, it was the language that connected all the tribes. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. So everyone speaks Portuguese because of that. Like in our office, for example. Like it's all Portuguese. (laughs) <laughs> so I think people who people know they speak the same language will do it, and I think people people not in the office, like people you see in the street here, yeah. definitely are not. Some are not speaking Portuguese, but it's definitely like the lingua franca, if yeah. you will, 
it's for sure more common. Um, and so for that reason, I think people bring translators in the field every time they go, but it's, a lot, it's asking a lot to yeah. translate to four different languages. But it, I feel like it would help us just to learn, not even translating, like if we're there to listen. I'm hoping, I wonder where our language skills will be in three months. Yeah. Hold me to this. I hope, listeners. <laughs> dear listeners, <laughs> keep us accountable. I hope I do learn a little bit of Kimani or, or Makoa or something. Mm-hmm. I'd be very happy. I mean, I hope I also learn Portuguese, but I think we'll get there. We're trying. And I think maybe that's a good note to end on. Every episode, we want to bring you our favorite Portuguese word that we've learned. Today, your word of the day is... Zangada e zangado. Which means... Angry. <laughs> we're not saying we're angry. We're just saying we're working through some stuff. Oh, no, yeah. This, this was just a <laughs> random word. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Muzungu. Uh, happy to have had you and looking forward to seeing you in two weeks where our episode will be about something more specific. And that targeted. starts with an M. Yes. Look forward Welcome. to our M words. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. bye.